Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll read together there. It is Connection Sunday, and we're delighted to uh, encourage people to get involved in the life group, get connected. It's a Bible study, small group Bible studies, and you see the list of the adult classes in the worship guide, uh, and I, I think you can get that on the bulletin online as well. And, of course, there are classes for all the teenagers and the children and preschoolers as well. And we love, I love life groups. I love the opportunity to get connected there. Next Sunday is, uh, we'll be taking communion together. And of course, that's always special for us. And if you're able to be here, I hope you'll join us for that special time. And, and then next Sunday afternoon, I'll teach the membership class. If you want to join our church, that's how you do it. Or if you'd just like to find out more about our church, you're welcome to come. Uh, sign up for it if you are planning to come. And I teach that class from 4 to 6 next Sunday afternoon. Well, let's open our Bibles. We're going to be looking at the subject of Jesus' life displayed and how we can let people see Christ in us. Our church does a lot of mission trips, some of you know, and um, we, we don't believe we can replace the career missionaries who learn the language and learn the culture and really de- get deeply connected. But we love that we can participate in mission trips, and we have three countries that we've gone to for years and years and years now, over and over, and then other places as well. And when you're there, of course, sometimes we're, we're in some places, some, a few more remote places, and sometimes you'll be the first American someone might have met if you're, uh, if you, if you're an American from our church. And so when someone in a place, I've been at a few mission trips where no one, they'd never met an American before, and, and so if they thought, what's an American like, they would think of me, or if you were there, they'd think of you for good or for not so good. That's what an American is like. Or even more importantly, they would think that's what a Christian is like. If they know you're a Christian, they would say, all right, that, you, for good or for not so good, that's what a Christian is like. Or more importantly, as they look at you, the Bible tells us we're supposed to represent Christ. We'll see later in this book of the Bible how we're to be ambassadors. We're ministers of reconciliation, this book of the Bible tells us. And how we represent Christ to others so that imperfectly because we're imperfect people even as believers but we have a perfect savior and we are to reflect christ so that people can see christ in us and so let's talk about what that looks like second corinthians chapter 4 and i'm starting with verse 10 last week we ended with verse 10 but let's pick it up right there again we always carry the death of jesus in our body so that the life of jesus may also be displayed in our body For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then, death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, Everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Let's talk this morning about four ways we display Jesus to the world. Ways that we're to let people see Christ in us, to be an example of who Christ is, and to let people see the life of Jesus in our lives. Let's note four ways we do that. And if you're watching online, you can take these notes. If you're here in person, you can follow on the back of the worship guide or the church app, and I want to encourage you to write these four things down. Number one, we display Jesus by what we die to, by what we die to. 
And verse 10 and verse 11 talk about, the, uh, about dying. Verse 10 says we always carry the death of Jesus in our body. You may remember last week we talked about how our physical body, of course, is temporary. It's called a jar of clay and how this body begins to deteriorate over time. And eventually uh, all of us, our mortal bodies break and fail and we face physical death. And how we as well are to die spiritually in salvation. We die to our sin and die to self and live to Christ. And how the Bible talks about this spiritual transaction that happens in Christ. And Paul's saying, I always carry the death of Jesus. We don't, like, we don't cover the death of Jesus or pretend it away or not mention it. We glory in it because the sacrifice of Jesus is the means by which we can be forgiven of our sins. So we're delighted to be able to talk about the death of Jesus. We'll do that often here. And it's because we know that Jesus' death his blood shed for us is the means by which we can be justified before holy God and forgiven of our sins. Verse 11 says, we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Paul was talking about how his willingness to sacrifice for the cause of Christ, even to die for the cause of Christ. And there are many in our world who are suffering persecution, and many who are willing to die for the cause of Christ. If you're not willing to die for anything, you're not really willing to live to much, and we display Jesus by what we die to. So when I was a, I gave my life to Christ when I was a boy. I heard the gospel message from the earliest age. I came to realize I was a sinner. I came very aware of that, and I um, wrestled with God for a while, and eventually I repented of my sins and trusted Christ as Savior. But I was kind of a baby Christian in many ways, though I knew things about God and knew some things about the Bible, and church attendance alone helped me to learn things about God. But I was a baby Christian in many ways. And many people are satisfied to stay baby Christians. I think, you know, babies don't always realize they're babies, you know what? And, they are, and I think many Christians who are baby Christians, they don't, even, they don't even realize it. But God made you for something more than just to be a baby Christian. He wants you to learn. He wants you to grow. He wants you to deepen. So in my late teenage years, I began to have this desire to grow in my faith and to learn about following the Lord and really get more serious about faith, to put, out, to put down some deeper anchors. And so I came, I, I got involved, really, I saw the example of others, and I started to do this uh, radical thing of having a devotional life where you read the Bible and spend some time in prayer. And uh, quite frankly, I would just do it on occasion early on. But I began to get more, you know, kind of when it's convenient, and if I began to get more faithful to this, I commend this to you. There's a take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. And we want to help you, but take responsibility, take ownership for that. And read that New Testament over and over. I want you to read the New Testament many, many, many times in your life. Spend time in prayer each day. It helps you to grow. And so I was reading along as I started to get a little more consistent in my devotional life. And I came across a verse, I know I'd read it before, and I've read it now many, many times since then. And other gospel accounts have this verse as well. And it's, the one I'm going to read to you is from Luke. And I'll just read it. You don't have to look it up unless you'd like to, but it's Luke 9.23. We'll put it on the screen. And I'm reading along, just minding my own business, and I come across this verse. It says this. If anyone wants to follow after me, this is the words of Jesus. If anyone wants to follow after me, and I said to myself, I want to follow after Jesus. 
I mean, that's what I want to do. I want to grow in my faith. I want to follow what God wants for my life. I want to, I want to live out my salvation. I want to follow after Jesus. So what am, I, what am I to do? If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Wait a second. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I can't make my life about me. I have to deny myself, Jesus says. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. Now, I didn't know everything about everything as a teenage boy, but I did know the cross was about death. And Jesus was saying, I'm to take up my cross every day to die to sin and self every day and follow me. If anyone wants to follow after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me. And I remember how impactful this was in my life, that Jesus cared about what I would die to. And I'm telling you, for your spiritual life, much of what is going to happen is your what, what are you willing to die to? What, is, what are you willing to give up? And I want to encourage you to die to two things. To, first, to die to sin. I think we sometimes think of sin like this. We think, all right, it, it, it's not a good thing. You know, I probably ought not to sin. But, is that you? I know what God says. But, and, and so we think of sin, it's not that big a deal. But God teaches us this truth. It's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Sin kills and steals and destroys. It damages and harms. And God's got something so much better. God's way is so much better. And he doesn't want you to settle for the lesser things when he's got something so much greater. And so he says to us, he doesn't just say like flirt with sin. Or, he says die to sin. Die to sin. Sin is always harmful and damaging and painful for you. And he wants you to die to sin. And not just to sin, but we're to die to self. Remember the words of Jesus. Let him deny himself. A teenage version of me reading that, I'm to deny myself. So I'm to die to self-centeredness. Man, does that sound odd to our culture because we, we think everything should revolve around us. We become the center of our own universe and we want everything to revolve, all the rest of the world to be the revolving planets around our centering sun. That's what we want it to be. And the Bible is telling us to die to self-centeredness, to die to selfishness. What's in it for me? What do I get? What do I want? What do I like? What, what benefits me? What helps me? And that is a common thing. I, I just want you to note this simple truth. If you make life about you, you can't make it about Christ. If you make life about you, you can't make it about Christ. And we have this terrible tendency in our world to live to sin and to live to self and self-centeredness becomes our focus selfishness our focus and God has something so much better and he says I want you to display me by what you die to by what you die to and there is a power when people see that you are dying to self-centeredness that is so odd in our culture when you're dying to selfishness that is so unusual in our world but when you make life about you you can't make it about Jesus and so when you die to self and you die to sin, you can display Christ and people can see Jesus in you. 
There's a second principle I'd like you to note. Would you write this down? We display Jesus by what we live for. We display Jesus, I said first, by what we die to, but we display Jesus by what we live for. So verse 10 and 11 talk about death, but they also talk about life. Verse 10, we always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that, I love when we see the so that, it's, it's pointing us to the reason, to the purpose. So why do we carry the death of Jesus in our body? Here's why. Here's the so that. So that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. We die to self and sin because we want to live to Christ. And we want people to be able to see Jesus in us. Verse 11. For we who, are, we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that, there it is again. Two straight verses. So that. Here's the purpose. Here's the reason. We die to self so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So that this jar of clay is a means by which people see Jesus. And we display Jesus by what we live for. And listen, God's got something big for you to live for. Did you know there's something bigger than the American dream? So we live in our culture, of course, and in our culture we, we say, here are the things we, this is what matters. And the American dream has said, you know, you need to get a, you need to get a car and you need to get a house and you need to get uh, uh, married and a couple of kids. 2.2, I think, to be exact, but somewhere in that neighborhood. And you need a life of ease and a life of comfort and a life of convenience. And our parents and grandparents have sacrificed so that we can have those sorts of things. And we have in our lives things that our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents could not have imagined. And we begin to think, if we're not careful, the goal of life is ease and comfort and convenience. Now, I'm thankful God gives us moments of ease and comfort and convenience. All of those are wonderful things. But God's got something far bigger than that for you. And I'll just tell you, sometimes what God wants for you is not so easy. And it is discomforting. And it can be super inconvenient. You'll never go on a mission trip because it's convenient. You'll never teach a life group because it's convenient. You'll never uh, teach preschoolers because it's convenient. Those things are inconvenient. But God often calls us to what is hard, and he calls us to mountains and to do inconvenient things, and he gives us challenges. Uh, Nate Adams is the head of our Illinois Baptist State Association uh, State Convention, and he's preached here before. And uh, some years, he's about my age, and Nate, some years ago, his son, one of his sons, uh, wanted to start climbing mountains, and he'd, he'd go to Colorado and, and go to uh, 14 years, they're called 14,000 feet high mountains, there's, I guess, a lot of those in Colorado, and they would go, you know, in the summertime, they'd go out to some mountain to climb, and they started, unfortunately for him, it started in some of the easier 14,000 peaks, and, you know, it started getting harder and harder, and you know, Nate's getting older and older, and it got more and more difficult. And, and at first, you know, they, he could kind of do it real well with his son, and then, you know, he could kind of lag behind his son. And then in recent days, sometimes he can't finish them, and his son will go uh, to the top, and he'll just have to kind of wait for him most of the way up or part way up. And, and you say, well, man, that's not, I mean, it's hard, and it's challenging. But it brings this great reward for him of being with his son, of doing this hard thing with his son. 
And so I want to ask you, what mountain does God want you to climb? What mountain does he want you to climb? Maybe what he wants for your life is not just ease after all. Maybe it's not just for you to be comfortable. Maybe the goal of life is something greater than convenience. But maybe instead God is saying, I want you to climb this mountain. I want you to do this hard thing of ministry for me. I want you to serve me in this hard area. I want you to sacrifice. Listen, it's easier not to sacrifice than to sacrifice. It's easier not to give than to give. It's easier not to serve than to serve. It's easier not to teach a life group than to teach a life group. It's easier not to share your faith than to share your faith. And so we, if we're not careful, we begin to think that what we live for is just ease and comfort and convenience when God is calling us to challenges and inconveniences and sacrifices and mountains. So what mountain does God want you to climb? And I'm telling you, as you're willing to live for the right things, to live a life of purpose, that becomes a means by which we display Jesus to our world and people see Christ in us as we're going beyond the easy, beyond the comfortable, beyond the convenient, to the great, impactful things of life. Principle number three, a way we display Jesus to the world. We display Jesus by who we trust in, by who we trust in. Faith matters deeply to God. Verse 12 says, death is at work in us, but life in you. Is that principle of we die, we display Jesus by what we die to and by what we live for. But verse 13 says this, since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. That's a quote from the book of Psalms. We also believe and therefore speak. That is, faith is the foundation of what we do, what we say, and how we live. Verse 14, for we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. Now, here's what Paul's saying. Paul is saying, I can trust God's power. The one who raised the Lord Jesus. He's saying, God is so powerful that he raised Jesus from the dead. One of the most important questions you're ever going to answer is this question. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Is Jesus just in a grave somewhere? Or did Jesus rise from the dead? By the way, the, the disciples believed he did. Their lives were unbelievably changed. They went from running from the things of God, cowards in, in the face of the authorities, to living boldly for God, even going to death, even dying for their faith. That's how, that's how much they believed Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus died on the cross, but that he rose from the grave. And we're saying in the resurrection, we can trust God's power, that he is bigger than death. And so if I can trust God's power, that means the second thing, I can trust God's promises. So Paul said here, we can trust the one who raised the Lord Jesus, and he's also going to raise us with Jesus. That's the promise, the future tense promise. He will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you. So if God has that kind of power to raise the dead, then I can trust his promises concerning me as well. And we display Jesus by who we trust in. There's a power to our faith. I heard this just this week, a guy to, told me this story. He said a little boy was listening to a sermon. That little boys don't always listen to sermons, but he was listening to this part at least. And he heard the preacher uh, telling a story of Jonah and the big fish. And that Jonah got thrown overboard, and a big fish swallowed him. And 
He said to the pastor afterwards, he said, hey, uh, that Jonah and the big fish thing, he said, do you really, do you really believe um, Jonah got swallowed by a big fish? And the preacher said, oh, yeah, I do believe that. God is big enough to cause a big fish to be able to swallow a man and accomplish his purposes. And the little boy said this. He said, well, if you're going to bring God into it, that changes everything. That's right, isn't it? If you're going to bring God into it, that changes everything. And in your life, if we're going to bring God into it, it's going to change everything. I mean, we can trust God's power. You can't rise from the dead. But God is powerful enough to give you eternal life through Jesus Christ who died for you and rose for you. And we can trust God's promises. We can trust that God is going to accomplish his purposes in us and that we can have new bodies. These jars of clay will fade someday. They'll crack, they're, they're brittle, but one day we'll have a new body and the promises of God for all who know Christ as Savior. Some of you are here who need to be saved. You need to trust Christ. You know that Jesus rose from the dead and God is convicting you of sin and judgment and hell, but he's also reminding you of God's love and his grace and his power. And I want to ask you today to give your life to Christ, to trust him as Savior and to find salvation in him and place your faith in him. And Christian, if you'll live by faith, there's a great witness to that. The world is watching to see if people really believe this message. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did he really conquer sin and death and hell? Because if he did, then I can trust every promise God has made for me. Principle number four. We display Jesus by how we reach out. We show the world who Jesus is by how we reach out. And let's go to verse 15. Verse 15 starts with that word, indeed. It's like a, a tension getter. Make sure you recognize this. Indeed, everything is for your benefit. Now, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm going to benefit others and not just me. Paul's saying, all that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to teach and preach. I'm telling you the truth, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm talking about judgment and hell, but also about grace and mercy. And all of that is for your benefit. It's all for you. I'm not trying to do this just for me. I'm not trying to get. I'm trying to give. I'm not just getting it for how, what's in it for me. I'm trying to think of your benefit. And he's saying, I'm, I'm living my life trying to think of how can I benefit you. Man, what a great blessing that was to the church of Corinth to have a man who was thinking of them and not just himself. By the way, this applies in all kinds of ways in life. You want, a, you want healthy relationships? Then you think about how can I benefit them and not just me? How can I think about my friends and not just worry about whether, whether my friends are thinking about me? You want a healthy marriage? How can I benefit my spouse? Not just how can my spouse benefit me? My spiritual life? You want a healthy spiritual life? then how can I think of others and not just me? But very easily, we begin to live our lives just for our benefit. What's in it for us? What do we get? And there is such a blessing when we begin to think about the benefit of others and not just ourselves. And Paul said, indeed, everything is for your benefit. And then he said, I'm going to delight. Not only I'm going to benefit others and not just me, but he says, I'm going to, to delight to see more people experience grace. And he talks here in verse 15 about grace extending through more and more people. Paul loves to see people 
experiencing this wonderful grace that God gives. Grace is where God loves us, though we don't deserve it. And we can't earn it, but he loves us. And Paul is delighted to see more and more people finding that. I I find it surprising for believers to not care about whether other people come to know Christ as Savior. It's Spiritually speaking, it's unnatural that those of us who have found, beggars who have found the bread of life, would not care whether other people come to know Christ as Savior. That we'd be sort of ho-hum about whether people are saved. That we'd not care deeply about the people we work with or go to school with or even strangers. That we'd not care whether or not they come to the Lord. That we wouldn't be delighted to see them come to faith in Christ. It's an odd thing. I was out on my uh, porch early one day, maybe a week ago or so, early morning, just, just a little bit of light. And I saw a bird fly down into my yard, a big bird. It was a wild turkey. And then another one came down, soared down and hit the ground running. And another and another until there were seven, eventually seven, in my yard. And they were just doing the things turkeys do, walking through my yard, eating insects, squabbling, fussing a lot, I guess, vocalizing a lot. Just, and I just you know, loved watching them. And they were just kind of working their way up my yard. And then I heard a cluck or a yelp. I don't know the difference, of a, but something like that. And, man, they, their attention... Every one of them perked up, and they, and they started ver- verbalizing, and the, uh, the, another cluck or two back, and they came running, all those turkey came back, and there was the eighth turkey, apparently had come off the roost, you know, they roost at night to protect themselves, and they come off the roost maybe the, into the woods, and now it was coming up and joining them, and they came and got it, and they off they went. They, turkeys are, um, I don't, I mean, they're not like smart they have a brain the size of a pea but they were like they were not weak every turkey matters they said uh their motto is no turkey left behind and they're gonna <laughs> and they got that turkey and off they went together and i thought sometimes they're smarter than us because we can almost forget we can almost forget that people matter to god and obvious display of the grace of God in our life should always lead us to the obvious display of grace for others. Our desire to see them come to know Christ as Savior. Paul said, I'm going to benefit others and not just me, and I'm going to delight to see more people experience grace, and I'm going to see my outreach as a means of bringing glory to God. Here's what he says in verse 15. He says, as grace extends to more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving. Boy, I'm going to, we're going to thank the Lord for this victory and to increase to the glory of God. It's going to bring glory to the Lord. Our outreach, church, our love for people who are not here yet is a means of us bringing glory to God. We should never just think about us. We should never just focus on those who are already here. We should always love and care for those who are not here yet and to remember how much that matters and want to glorify God by our spirit and our attitude towards those who are not here yet. And we display Jesus by how we reach out to others. And God uses us, our lips and our lives, as a means of glorifying him as we reach out to others. And God cares deeply about that. 
And so I want to ask you to bow your head with me for a moment. I want to ask you to um, answer a few questions as we work our way through these four areas. First, I want to ask you, are you displaying Jesus by what you die to? Is the Lord speaking to your heart about dying to sin and to self, self-centeredness and selfishness, to not be the center of your world and life, but to be willing to die to self and to be willing to die to sin? Are you displaying Jesus by what you live for? Are you living for something bigger than just the American dream and ease and comfort and convenience? Are you willing to say, God, what mountain do you have for me to climb? What challenge do you have yet for me? Though it may cause sacrifice and inconvenience and discomfort, what mountain do you have for me to climb? Are you willing to display Jesus by who you trust in? By your faith, Jesus rose from the dead. And I can trust every promise he makes because of that. And I'm going to let my faith be evident in my life so that people can see that the power comes ultimately from Jesus and not from myself. And will you display Jesus by how you reach out? We say, God, use my lips and God, use my life. Help me to care about people who aren't here yet. Help me not to make my life just about me. Help my church not to make it just about those who are already here. Help us to love people. To see grace extend through more and more people. Now some of you are hearing this message and you need to trust Christ as Savior. And I want to ask you today to be saved. To give your life to Christ. Would you turn from yourself and give your life to Christ? Would you place your faith in Jesus? He died the death you deserved. He lived that perfect life you couldn't live. And he died the death you deserved. And and he did this great miracle that you need. Christ rose from the dead. And that changes everything. That changes everything. Would you ask him to save you today? Give your life to Christ and he'll save you. Right where you are today, you can be saved. Give your life to Christ and be saved. Father, I want to thank you for the power of your word. I want to thank you we can display Christ in our lives. And I'm praying, Lord, you'll use these four areas to help us to let people see Jesus in us and to point people to Christ. And I want to thank you for the privilege we have to participate in that work. Thank you. You love us. You care about us. Thank you for the hope you give us in Jesus. Thank you for the meaning and purpose you give to our lives here. And thank you one day we can replace these jars of clay with a new body that you have for us and eternal life that you give to us. And in the meantime, Lord, help us to live the abundant life that you call us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.